I mean, I always tell the story about doing an audiobook three weeks postpartum in a depend diaper. Like, you know, what was I trying to prove? Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these mums right. Hey mums, did you ever struggle with the idea of whether you wanted to be a mom? I know when I was in my 20s, I wanted to be a famous writer. I knew that much, but I kept hearing stories about women who decided to live their lives child and husband free for the sake of their art. One of the most famous of those being Emily Carr, who is one of Canada's most well-known female painters and always loomed pretty large in my household growing up because my dad was also a painter and his own dad I actually lived with Emily Carr for a time when he was a young man. I remember hearing stories about Emily Carr's life, how she ran a boarding house and lived with a monkey as her best friend and made these amazing and glorious works of art. It all sounded so inspirational and exciting, but also really lonely. And at the time, it seemed like the question was, do you want a family or do you want creativity? I knew I wanted both, but was that even possible? Today's conversation features the editors of an anthology that explores exactly that question. Good Mom on Paper, Writers on Creativity and Motherhood was released in May 2022 by Book Hug press and was edited by Jen Sukfong Lee and Stacey May Fowles, our guests today. Jen is a highly awarded novelist, children's book author, CBC radio personality, and co-host of the literary podcast Can't Lit. She is also a single mom. Stacey May Fowles is a multiple award winning journalist, essayist, and novelist also from Vancouver and also, you guessed it, a mom. In today's show, we discussed the questions at the heart of this book, at the heart of this podcast, at the heart of my 20-year-old self, is how do we navigate between the twin devotions of love and art? How does motherhood disrupt the creative process and how does it enhance it? Please welcome Jen and Stacy. Hello, Stacy and Jen. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank well, you for having, for having us. us. Oh, we said the same thing at the same time. That's yeah, okay. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't actually interviewed two people at once. So this is a good, you know, we're getting into a good rhythm here. So if you just answer the questions at the same time, it'll be like <laughs> hard to it'll, understand. Probably. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. <laughs> it'll be amazing. Um, so I'm really excited to learn about your recently released book, Good Mom on Paper. And I was just, yeah, Stacey has it. She knows how to promote. You can't see. Okay, Jen is also doing it. <laughs> So the listeners can't see, but I will put a link to this amazing book in the show notes. But I wanted to start with was the note that you wrote about, you know, why this book was created. Can you tell me about that frustration that you both expressed? Would you like me to start, Jen? Yes. Okay. So Jen and I worked on a book previously called Whatever Gets You Through. And after I signed the contract for that book and Jen was invited on board, um, I became pregnant. 
And <laughs> my first child, um, I was 38, I believe. And I, you know, had been a professional writer for most of my adult life. And whatever that definition means, I don't know, I was writing for most of my adult life. And um, I suddenly found the process of writing very difficult um, because, you know, initially because of my pregnancy, but, you know, very much more specifically when my daughter was born about a year after that, we were promoting said book. And I had a lot of conversations with Jen around that time about how difficult I was finding everything. And um, she, she, I, I have previously called her my literary midwife, um, where she, um, you know, very helpfully advised me through that process. And, you know, there was a lot of commiseration and a lot of discussion about how difficult it is to promote your work when you have a tiny person at home or even a not so tiny person at home through those very frustrated conversations that were not just about creativity, but also about the machinations of literary culture and how exclusionary they can be. Um, we decided, well, what better thing to do than do another book? <laughs> and, um, you know, the idea for it came together quite quickly. We, we wanted to, you know, ask a very open-ended question of, you know, what it means to be a mother and also a creative person and what are the challenges and what are the triumphs as well. We didn't want to just focus on how difficult it is. We also wanted to talk about how children um, do this amazing thing of feeding our creative impulses and changing us in ways that open up our creative beings. So that's sort of the longest short answer. Um, I don't know, Jen, if you have anything to add to that. Um, no, I think that's, that's the right answer. Uh, yeah. And I think we were, you know, when it's very kind of Stacey May to call me her, uh, literary midwife, but I, you know, it's because my son's a little bit older. Uh, but I think there was so much that only Stacey May understood about, um, writing a book, promoting a book, trying to do all these things, um, with a child. It was not something you know, a lot of my friends who are writers don't have children, which is probably quite on purpose. <laughs> uh, so it was really nice for Stacey May to always, you know, listen to my rants. It was a pleasure. I, I, you know, it offered solace, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think I was really struck by the fact that um, I, I didn't feel like, you know, all, of all the things I did to prepare to be a mother, I didn't have a conversation about preparing to be a mother creatively. You know, there were some very kind um, people in my life. I, I mean, I had a conversation with my agent where I asked if I would be able to judge a nonfiction contest three months postpartum. And her answer was something along the lines of, well, <laughs> so I, I mean, I think what happens is people want you to remain optimistic and hopeful and temper it with a little bit of realism um, but then when you sort of like get dumped out into the reality of motherhood, um, you know, things feel very much like a crash course. So I, I think we wanted to create a book that, you know, not necessarily a guidebook, but, you know, some company through that difficult process. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hearing, Stacey, is just the incredible time commitment and obligation that comes from being a new mom. Is, is Was there more to it than that? 
Jen, if you want to talk about your experience too as a mom. Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, it was, um, I'm a single mom, a single parent. And so much of what I'm asked to do is fine if there was somebody else taking care of my stuff, (laughs) which there isn't. And I think that's true also for moms who have partners um, is that, you know, moms take on the lion's share of anything that happens in the home. And we know that from the pandemic and all of that. And like, for me, um, I found myself around the time we were doing whatever gets you through. I, you know, at the time I was teaching and I was doing a bunch of freelance stuff and, and I found myself because my son would be at school like nine to three, but it still wasn't like really enough time in your day to get a lot of the stuff done if you're working. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're trying to be creative and all that. And so I found myself doing all my day jobby stuff while he was at school. And then I was writing like late into the night, which Mm -hmm. is terrible. If you're a parent, not sleeping is terrible. It's the worst. And I would write to like midnight or 1am and then be up at six with him. And Mm -hmm. I am so surprised I didn't hurt myself during the day, (laughs) like, like, you know, in a car accident or something. My whole thing is I want this conversation to this book to reach people who are hiring artists or hiring writers. And like, so that they know that there are things that, you know, people who have children, uh, women who are mothers, they need a little bit of extra support, which is, you know, AKA childcare, which is all we ever really talk about. (laughs) I could see that. Yeah. The burden of, of childcare definitely as I, you know, came to this interview 10 minutes late because I had to run to, to get my daughter off of school. I definitely see that as something that moms are carrying. Is there, is there anything else do you think? So, you know, obviously the time commitments, the burden, um, is that the biggest challenges that moms face? Do you think in the writing world, or is there something about like the, the, the literary world itself, like in terms of like the expectations or assumptions about what it means to be a mother? Do you think that writers are struggle with? Um, I, I do want to say for the record that when you Jen sent me a text that you'd be ten minutes late, and I was like, okay, because <laughs> we know, we totally know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jen. I appreciate. Oh, that. I was actually going to say I don't think the literary world or the publishing world thinks about mothers at all most of the mm. time. So there's a lot of invisibility, which I think is the is the purpose of Good Mom on Paper in a lot of ways. It's not that they they know we exist. I think, <laughs> like I I think that we for so long didn't even didn't want to be uh, troublesome. We always wanted to be mm. agreeable. We don't say that we need certain things or we don't talk about our children and oh god forbid you should bring a child to like a book event or like all of those things and so mm-hmm. like i think that um, ultimately there is um you know it's a it's a larger discussion about accessibility in the literary world and book publishing and in creativity like obviously accessibility for moms is part of a discussion about accessibility for people with for example disabilities or uh for people for anybody who has needs mm-hmm. like we all have needs, but uh, for anybody who has needs who are not straight white dudes, <laughs> yeah. If I made if I made any sense at all, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some like really basic logistical stuff. Um, you know, like I before I had a child, I used to appear on morning radio a great deal, mm. and you can't do morning radio when you have a like. It's just not realistic, right? But there's also kind of this thing about how writing about motherhood tends to get shoved in this like sippy cup Cheerios corner. Um, You know, that's the assumption. But often when I read writers who are mothers, I mean, you read this book and the depth 
of the experience and the sheer brutality of the experience and the like it's so visceral and it's definitely not sippy cups and cheerios not that there's anything wrong with either of those two things there is a lot of that in my home on the floor cheerios <laughs> but, but i i mean it's it's almost as if like the experience of motherhood is not taken seriously in literature um and reading this book i mean it's 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 frankly stunning how how varied the experience is, but how deep it runs, right? It's um, you know, it's I just I mean, I think of Carrie Snyder's piece and you know, it was one of the first pieces I read when we were going through submissions and it just broke me in half. You know, and I remember I was t- texting Jen and I was just like, Have you read this yet? <laughs> like it's just but if you if you give mothers the space to write about their experience, what comes out of it is just phenomenal. People had like so much to say. And I and I really loved that the submissions we had so many, three hundred submissions ish, and wow. it was um, wow. people really wanted to talk about it. And one of the things that I said to some of the people that we had to decline was that I hope you keep writing this thing. Like cause because you clearly want to right? Mm. People really wanted to write um, these essays. And I find that so fascinating. I think mothers are so rarely given the chance to connect their motherhood to the rest of their lives uh, in public. And I, I do think there's been this great shift in the during the pandemic. I hate to associate the word great with pandemic, but where we did hear the stories of mothers more than we usually would. And um, and it, it's very sad to me that things had to be so dire for us to hear those stories. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, in terms of the submissions for the book, I Jen and I often like to tell people that it wasn't a matter of us picking. Actually, when we wrote the proposal, it was 10 and essays. And then we just kept going back to book hug and being like, can we have three more? Can we have two more? Can we have five <laughs> more? So it ended up being 20, but it was not it wasn't like we picked the best 20, right? Mm. It was, um, we wanted to create a book that, you know, reached as far out as it could in terms of the realm of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are so many pieces that we did not include that my heart is still very much attached to, right? So I, I think that people have this misconception with anthologies. It's like, we picked the 20 best and that, you know, and it wasn't that. We had a lot of very sad breakups with pieces that we wanted to include, but it was just about, you know, having a whole package, right? It was about creating something, so. And how has the reception been? Has anything, you know, surprised you about, this focus on motherhood and writing that you've made happen? I'm quite surprised that we've gotten as much attention as we have. I'm always surprised when a book gets attention, right? But when we, like, when we did whatever gets you through, because the, the, the topic, of course, was sexual assault, and that was, the promotion of that was super weird and it, for a lot of reasons, but um, the attention is quite different. Like, I think the attention on Good Mom on Paper is without reservations. It's without people having to, you know, it, it, people can promote this book in a really joyful way without feeling weird. And like, and so when we getting, when we're getting those media hits, when we're having these really lovely reviews, it, it feels really great. And I do think that it came out at the right time again, because of the pandemic, we were talking about motherhood so much and it came out just at the sort of the right time. Like the world was ready to hear it. Yeah. A lot of crying too. Like a lot of self-reported crying. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Um, which, I mean, it's interesting when you work on a book and you, when you're editing, you, you have that initial read where you're very emotional about what you read and then you read it 700,000 times. And then, you, you know, you're still very emotional and you're still, I, I mean, I remember when we were um, sort of finishing off the book, me and Jen were very self-congratulatory. <laughs> we were just like, I'm so proud of this. I'm so proud we did this, you know, um, with full understanding that, you know, it really had very little to do with us. It's the, you know, the sheer talent of all the writers involved. But when it went out into the world, so many people were like, I've just been crying. Every, every piece is making me cry. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that initial like, oh, you know, it's, it's a very emotional, you know, but I, it's also very, as Jen says, it's very joyful, right? It's a very celebratory book, in, you know, in a lot of ways. And do you think, you know, you mentioned that, you know, that it came out at the right time for myself, you know, having a podcast on moms and writing, I have seen a lot of communities pop up in this area, you know, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, do you think that there is a shift happening? Did you, did you to see, I think I saw it in the New York times. It was like a group of moms somewhere in the United States to like go out into the middle of the woods and scream. Like, they yeah, just, I did. They yeah. Just, yeah. They just shout like to get all their attentions out. And I was like, okay, yeah, there is something in the air, which is that not that moms haven't had these frustrations forever. Cause of course they have. Um, but it's that, you know, we've realized with the pandemic that we can't, be without each other like it's very difficult to be isolated and i think that that's why we're seeing these like group chats or you know facebook i don't have facebook i don't know what the lingo is for facebook <laughs> what facebook groups or like all of these like sort of um communities that we see online and also apparently yelling in the woods um is because we know especially mothers who've been doing so much work over these last couple of years we can't do it alone. Like you can't, you can't sit there and be alone with your kids for two years in your house without telling someone how gross you feel like you, yeah, like you have to do it. So like, I think the book is, you know, a paper sort of testament to all of that frustration that has been building and came to a mm. peak, you know, during mm. COVID. And do you see any changes happening in the literary world in response to that? Oh, no. <laughs> too, too soon, too soon. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there is there is this like element here. Like I still feel very much trapped in my house. Um, like I, it, this is a very weird time because, you know, I have a child under the age of five and she doesn't have a vaccine yet. And I am, you know, my behavior is sort of like, tempered I'm like I'm like a little baby deer you know going back to the world coming back in you know like she gets to be in a dance class now which is amazing but you know I I just feel like like I haven't been to a literary event since like 20 I mean maybe even 2017 I don't know I had a baby and then a pandemic hit I don't really I don't really know when the last time I went so I don't, I don't even know, I'm not even sure if I have a sense of the literary community anymore. And I feel like my literary community has sort of evolved into mothers I know who write. <laughs> right? So, um, and it, I mean, yeah. is that a product of exclusion? Maybe, like, maybe we find each other because we feel excluded. We feel, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I was I was really finding that um, I had to say no to so many things before the pandemic even happened. Mm. And, you know, the result of that is that you fill your life with people who understand how to accommodate you. Mm-hmm. I will say that mm. I think over these last two years, I've done a, done or attended a lot of events that were online, of course, and um, and attended and done more than I ever would have since my son was born realistically. Mm. And I really do hope that those lessons we've learned about accessibility over the pandemic are not lost as we move forward. Um, and I don't think that like, you know, when in-person literary events, again, become the norm, I, I don't know if anything will change. I hope so. Um, right now it's pretty good. I can go attend things, but it's changing and I don't know. Mm. Then I, then I have to find clothes to wear. I, it seems, it seems wrong. <laughs> you will need to find pants. I have heard that <laughs> necessity. I don't like, know. Like, like a hard waist and like a zipper fly? Come on. Yeah, now. I think so. I mean, no. it's, it's interesting to have a com- conversation about like the way promotion works too. I, I think that, you know, for me, that was a hugely frustrating thing that, um, you know, it's interesting to do this book and we're working with um, a, a publicist and we've been very transparent about the limitations of our ability to do certain things and to be able to have that conversation transparently because the book is about motherhood is is nice like it's a really nice thing whereas i feel like previously i would have concealed my limitations and struggled mm-hmm. through and i mean i always tell the story about doing an audiobook three weeks postpartum in a depend diaper, like, and how that, you know, what was I trying to prove? Like, just, um, it, you know, I, I feel like this book, promoting this book has been a very different experience because the publicist we're working with has a baby, mm-hmm. a new baby. And, you know, I, I have been able to be very upfront about like, this feels like too much and that, you know, we can't do all, all of these things. And, I feel like that's been a real gift. Um, and I'm not sure that would have happened if it wasn't for the subject matter of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. <laughs> Hard agree. <laughs> Thumbs up. So I'm hearing that there, there it sounds like, you know, whether it's because of the pandemic, being separated has helped moms like recognize how important it is to be connected to other moms. And at the same time, because of the, the switch to digital and all of that that's gone with that it is an opportunity now to create spaces that um are open to moms more accessible to the limits of moms so maybe things you know the gift of the pandemic perhaps is that this uh, opening up and awareness around the limitations that mom writers have yeah and it, i mean it's super nice to do like a toronto international festival of authors event like sit doing bedtime and then going to your kitchen and doing it, you know, it's it's like a much better experience than missing bedtime or, you know, like doing bedtime and then having to like hop in a cab and go all the way, you know, it's just, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it, I feel like this new accessibility has made it possible for people who couldn't do events before in all sorts of ways to be able to participate. And I think that's amazing. I think that's, you know, if anything good came out of this nightmare hellscape, it's that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
and I want to circle back because um, Stacy, you mentioned at one point about motherhood. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the challenges that it brings, but also that it deepens you and deepens your writing. Can you both speak to that? Um, you know, one of the most obvious things is if you look at sort of my publishing history is that I was writing a lot of novels uh, <laughs> when I was uh, child free. And um, after my son was born, I did write one more um, and um, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. But what having him has done is opened sort of like my brain up to other genres, which I wasn't doing before. So um, I was doing... Um, strictly novels. And then after he was born, I started doing all the other things like the poetry, the, you know, creative nonfiction, children's literature, all of that. And I think it's a function of an expansion of the brain for me. Like I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm being forced to consider his perspective in the world every day. And, mm -hmm. and because you have to be able to see things from your children's perspective or else you're never really going to understand them. And I really felt my brain growing. Um, having said that, mm -hmm. I think that one of the drawbacks is it's really hard to write a novel when you're parenting, especially a, a, like active parenting when they're little, because novels take up so much brain space. Like they, it requires so much sustained attention. So it is actually in some ways easier for me to write a poem <laughs> than to sit there and like restructure a novel. Like who wants to do that? Um, but it's a, it's that. And then also mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, I, I think the experience of motherhood is very much a theme in all of my writing, motherhood, children. I write children, child characters quite a lot. Um, and sort of the relationship between mothers and their children is really important to um, everything that I write. And it's been, that has been quite amazing for me. And I, you know, and, you know, I think the, whoever's in charge of these things that, that, that my son came to me in that way, because he's been really good for my brain. Mm. That's, wow. really, that's a yeah. really sweet sentiment <laughs> yeah, yeah. <really> lovely <laughs> he's not a teenager um, yet i am gonna like regret this so we'll see. <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think for me before i had my daughter i was doing a lot of deadline driven work i was doing a lot of you know editorials for the newspaper i was covering sports i was you know everything was very immediate and had to be done right away and you know an editor would contact me and say i need you to write this this morning you know and after after that was just not possible at all you know and mm. i had to you know i had to change the economics of my life because that was how that was my work right and my work was no longer possible mm. um and so i realized that i had to approach writing in a much slower way and I mean, I, and Jen knows this, I went through a large period of time where I just couldn't do it. And I really was very frustrated. And I, you know, I, I just kept fixating on what I had lost. Um, and I, I often say that like the process of surrender was very vital to my creative process because I had to just accept that what I'd done before was not possible. Um, and then I just started doing these very like slow essays. There's a cat coming. I feel like every time we do something, <laughs> like an animal appears. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just, I started writing in a much more slow lyrical way. And um, at first, of course, it was garbage. It was terrible, but then it became something, right? And I think there's just sort of this, being easy on yourself, acceptance, surrender, like all of these like 
fun terms that basically just mean that things change and you have to accept it. Um, and now I think I'm at a point like, you know, over four years later where I like my writing again and I'm interested in it and I'm excited about it, but there was definitely a huge shift and, you know, having Jen in my life to say, it's going to take time. You should not beat yourself up about it was very, very helpful because we all see people on social media who like wrote, their you know best-selling novel on that leave <laughs> you're like oh no <laughs> who are these <laughs> jerks come on <laughs> there's, quite, there's quite a few of them and i have muted them um <laughs> that's smart just, um but yeah I, I mean i just want everybody to know that i didn't get anything done in that first year and i barely got anything done in the second year like it's just you know i I have notes on my phone that are illegible that I thought in the middle of the night while doing a feeding was an actually good line. So I, you know, it's. (laughs) (sighs) So I like that you mentioned, you know, Jen, that's one of your supports, like having put together this anthology and from your own experiences, like, is there any advice that you could give to other moms that are like in that space where they feel like their whole world is like crushing them all of a sudden? Okay, don't write into the middle of the night like I did. That's very tiring. I would much rather you watch a marathon of like 90 Day Fiance or something. Like, like you need to relax. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, I, and I think that the wonderful thing about writing uh, in particular, although I think this is probably true for any creative endeavor, is that like you can, you can um, split it up into small chunks, right? You can write a paragraph or, you know, a couple of um, stanzas in a poem um, and then put it away and then come back to it. And then slowly, but surely things do accumulate and it'll be faster than you think um, or faster than you fear perhaps. Mm. Um, And I, and, you know, just giving yourself the time to let it accumulate. Right. And then the other thing about time is that if, even if a book's taking a really long time to finish um, some of the best advice anyone gave me was my former agent who is now retired, but was also a mom. Um, said to me that it takes years for a book to develop depth, the kind of depth that you want it to develop. And so taking your time is not a bad thing. Taking your time can often be a really great thing. Um, And just allowing yourself to, you know, and then have your, make sure your boundaries are like firm. Don't do stuff because, you know, you feel like you have to. Mm. Agreed. Um, I like the the seasons of your life theory, mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, this is just not that season. Um, I like, it, you know, I, there's a, and it's even mentioned in the book, this idea of the 5am writing club, like mothers get up really early in the morning to do their writing. And, you know, in the first like two years of my daughter's life, that like, the idea of that was just completely bananas to me like how how is that you know and then in year three I did it every day you know and now I'm in year four and I'm like no (laughs) there's just times of your life where and and I think we try to shoehorn ourselves into I mean I hate writing tips and you know like tips and tricks to write you're not like I because you're a person and you're experiencing certain things and you're at a certain place in your life and you're not going to be able to do X, but you're going to be able to do Y. Um, And I I like this idea of seasons of your life, like really resonated with me. And once I accepted that in this particular season, I was going to write 
incomprehensible garbage on my phone, I felt a lot better. <laughs> also, don't, like, I just want to like tell people like productivity is a lie. Like, don't. Oh no, it's don't buy into silly. that. You're doing. Well, you're ready- I, I feel like you know to say like the deadline oriented stuff. I was so into, you know, the more you work, the more you're worth. Yeah. Um. And now, you know, I, where did, what am I left with now, except memories of being very tired and broken, you know, it's just Mm. (laughs) like, and I, generally I have to talk about this book and how, um, because everybody involved in this book was a mother. Um, and because book hug is one of the finest, most accommodating, lovely publishers on earth there wasn't that sense of urgency with everything. And it's almost like this book is a testament to the fact that the urgency is a lie. It's a lie. (laughs) It's so funny to me because Stacey and I talk about this is that everybody had their time limits. Everybody had boundaries and we were, you know, we're very firm about, you know, respecting those for people, especially when we're like editing their stuff and like amazing. The book came out on time, man. It's fine. (laughs) Hmm. And you know what? Even if it didn't come out on time, who cares? cares? Like, it's not (laughs) like less people are going to read it. You know, it's not, it doesn't matter. It just really doesn't matter. Can you tell Stacey May and I spent a lot of time together? (laughs) Coordinated (laughs) speech is pretty impressive. That is next level. Like things need the time they need to grow. You know, it's, that's what the, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, de- I'm deaf. I've got like a real hippie vibe today, but I'm like, <laughs> they, why we put these sort of, I, I mean, we, we, we value people who put out a book a year or, you know, and Ugh. I find that why, why, like, why answer me this? <laughs> um, and I, like, I understand writing is a business and, you know, you, you have to live and I get that. But I also think that you're not going to produce anything good under a hammer, you know, so Mm -hmm. give yourself the room. Do you think becoming mothers like gave you guys, you have a pretty good perspective now. (laughs) Maybe you were like that always. I didn't meet you when you were not mothers. Definitely not like this always. No, (laughs) I was terrified when I was younger about like losing my momentum. What momentum, Jen? No one's like, no one's like lining up at a bookstore waiting for your novel to come out. Relax. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on. I was Jen. I was. Okay. (laughs) But like, I honestly, like I, I remember I would say this to my now ex-husband. What if I lose my momentum? What, 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 where? That doesn't exist. <laughs> I feel like Stacy's going to say something wise now. No, I was I was just thinking about like, you know, the things that we think about publishing culture. Like, I remember, I remember a rather. I'm going to be as vague as possible, so I don't like. I, I remember a rather powerful, important person in in publishing who makes a lot of decisions said to me in a casual conversation that they don't care about platform anymore. I was like, what? (laughs) So this idea of like having a huge social media following and like, they were like, yeah, he, I mean, they were (laughs) just like, "Eh." you know, it's not, not really that important to us anymore. And I I was like, wow, you should really send out a memo to everybody who's worried (laughs) they're not like creating their brand properly, you know, because I mean, most of us just want to write 
beautiful things, you know, mm-hmm. that we don't want to be asserting ourselves constantly in a promotional capacity and like with the fear that we're going to be forgotten, right? It's, we want to raise our children and, you know, go outside, you know, instead of being like, promote, promote, promote. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that we, we're so hard on ourselves to, to be some sort of version of ourselves that people love in a, in a way that's not even about us, right? It's about literary prestige and fame and whatever. Um, and I, I just think some of the greatest literary joy I have is interacting with essays like this and, you know, seeing something become what it already was, I guess, is the, the way to think about it. I mean, I, I, and Jen, Jen is a much more accomplished editor than I am, but I just, I feel like the process, we often say that we just get out of the way. Like it's, you know, working with these writers was more about giving them the room to come to the conclusions that they wanted to come to than, you know, stewarding it in any way. Um, yeah, Jen, Jen, you have insightful things to say about the editing process. So I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> I, well, I mean, my philosophy as an editor in general is that, um, I need to know whenever I'm working with anyone, I need to know what that person wants the work to be. Um, And I don't get to determine that. And I don't get to um, tell them how to shape that vision. What I am here to do is to help you get there to the place you want to go, whoever it is. And for this book in particular, for Good Mom on Paper, I think that we gave very little direction um, to the authors, which is just the way I like it. Mm-hmm. And then when the essay comes back to you, um, it's so exciting for me to see that sort of, um, you know, more finished form, because then I'm like, okay, I get it. This is where you wanted it to go. So let's do that. And I think that it's much less for me about like, it's usually not from, I'm not a great copy editor. Um, you know, I think everyone who works with me knows that I <laughs> just, Listen, I don't care how the M dashes are supposed to look. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I know. I like M dashes, but I don't care how they look. Um, but it's it's about saying, okay, this needs a little bit more to get you where this has to go. And let's do, let's put in an editorial break, which is my favorite thing to do. Um, and it's it's never about changing anything. It's uh, it's always about just making it more fully formed and more beautiful and more effective and emotionally impactful and all those things I say in editorial letters. (laughs) Well, that's a great note because I, I, like, what's the, what's the next, what's the future do you think for this anthology? Is it, is this it or you guys are done with motherhood and move on to a different theme? Or do you think that there's more work to be done here? No, man, I got kindergarten orientation in about an hour. (laughs) So not done with <laughs> I, I mean, it's a it's a great question. I um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like I I think that what me and now that the book is done and the book is out in the world, me and Jen talk a lot about, and we are asked a lot about. Well, what do you hope comes out of this book? And you know, I I think that there is a flaw in our systems and I mean there's many flaws in our systems but <laughs> and I, but I I think that you know if people are having conversations about how they can be more accommodating then I I think that it's accomplished even 
it's, it's accomplished a great deal. I feel like those conversations were not happening when I was struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. And now, you know, in large part to the, because of the pandemic, they are. um, And that's a huge deal. And I, I mean, just back to the, what Jen was saying about editorial and how we didn't give people a lot of direction. um, You know, I feel like when you pitch a piece to a, a large number of publications, you have to have a fully formed idea and you are given a deadline that's immovable and, you know, you have to do what you say you were going to do. And we reject that. <laughs> but we did. I mean, we did because we understood, we understood not only that we were dealing with people who are working with all sorts of constraints um, on their time and their ability to sit down and, um, you know, if, if we got a pitch from somebody that was like a few lines, but we understood from their greater body of work that they were going to pull this off, that was okay, you know, because maybe they didn't have enough time to meet this particular deadline. And, but also we know that the writing process is, is often about discovery, right? It's not about, I'm here to prove this point. It's, I'm here to explore this idea. And I think maybe if more publishing venues respected that process, it would be a lot easier for people working within constraints to appear in the publishing world. Well said. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) It's like you're a writer or something. (laughs) What? And what about you, Jen? Like, what what do you say as like, as you did mention, there's so many other stories that you loved or do you feel like this is the contribution and then, um, the the it's up to the writing world now to move it forward i don't know i mean as we move one of the great things about this anthology is that we have um lots of um a couple of contributors whose children are now adults there's a lot of um, that discussion in there and i know that my son is turning 12 and headed into a new era of what motherhood is going to look like so i think that what else we have to say to continue the conversation is pending to be tbd (laughs) yeah coming back to the discovery piece that you were mentioning stacy yeah Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just are you guys familiar with the show miss persona no what's that it's it's like a children's show where she um she's actually fred penner's granddaughter i believe i recently learned okay And the whole, it's a very Canadian low budget children's show. That's very charming. Um, But every day, like every episode, she's like, she stands there and she's like, today I am a pilot. And then she transforms into a pilot or today I am a doctor. And then there's like a little skit. So I actually do it every morning when like my husband takes my daughter to, to school I stand on the front porch, like in my pajamas. And I'm like, today I am a novelist. (laughs) Today I am a journalist because I mean, it's this idea of your identity being so tied to being a writer is something that I definitely disposed of when I became a mother. Mm. At the same time, you're sort of like disposing of the idea that mother is your entire identity. Right. So I just like this idea that every day you're just something different and that being a writer is not the whole of who you are, just like being a mother is not the whole of who you are. So would you say, because I know this question comes up in the anthology about 
meaning the tension between needing to choose between being the best writer and being the best mother would you say like maybe the question itself is the problem i think that kind of <laughs> I, I i think that there is no best right like it's just we're just doing what we can do and i think that the philosophy or the ideology of like doing the best you can can also be really damaging because what if i don't want to like what if i just want to be mediocre for a couple of weeks like that and that's fine right like it doesn't matter like what if i didn't make a salad and my child ate french fries for dinner so what <laughs> so i think that maybe taking the idea of best out of the equation is probably good it would be best mm -hmm. as i would yeah say. and it, i mean it's an externally imposed question right like it's you know i whenever i ask myself that question I'm usually having a meltdown of some kind, but every time I ask myself that question, it's because something external has triggered me to ask, right? And yeah. it's not coming from within me. It's it's sort of a, it's all of these terrible things that surround us that make us feel bad about how we're performing when, you know, and I, I do think that there's this thing that happened during the pandemic, not to constantly go back to that experience because I'd rather forget it, but <laughs> <laughs> that you know there were days where I'm like this is just good enough you know that like and good enough is fine it's totally fine like my my husband exists in a sort of 80 percent way all the time and and he's very happy and very successful like it's and I mean he's also a straight white male but it you know it's I I want to strive to be 80 percent <laughs> in all things you know and and I th it doesn't matter like it's you know if your mm. kid just eats you know goldfish crackers and apples it's fine I think I'm convincing myself right now but yeah I think 80% is actually pretty good it's be pretty it's pretty high yeah. I remember I went I went to like a, a a yoga class once and the teacher said I want everybody today to be a c-plus student Oh. And we were all like, what? She was like, I don't want you to try very hard today. I want you to just like try like a C plus level. And it was like the best hour. <laughs> everybody was just like, everybody was really relaxed and happy and not trying to prove anything. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So you yeah. can have a C plus day. That's fine. Yeah. And you can write uh, terribly and then come back tomorrow and fix it. That's fine mm -hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm loving like the, this message of, you know, acceptance and patience and like surrendering that I feel is like really at the core of what you are saying today. And I think for the, the writing moms that out there listening, that's such a gift because often there is a lot of anxiety and pressure and comparisonitis um, in getting, you know, those words out, waking up at 5 a.m. and making sure you hit your targets and, uh, marketing and just there's just so much anxiety so I think that is such a, a gift with that you shared with with us today and you know with your book and I can't wait to um, to share that book out with uh, the listeners more how could people catch up to you both um, I, I do, do just, want to? <laughs> I do I do want to say because I, I do think that's a lovely message but I also know that it's a lovely message for the three of us to share you know and uh, 
and that sometimes realities don't like somebody has to get it done, you know? So sometimes being, you know, giving not as much effort or it's just not possible. And, you know, I, I don't want to diminish that. Like you do have to work hard and it's exhausting. And, but I think that, you know, having a core belief that you should go easy on yourself is a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm on Instagram, so you can find me there. <laughs> uh, I am. Yeah, I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Twitter. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter. I don't know. It's like a drug. I don't I don't really. There's know. lots of pictures of Jen's dog on Instagram, though, which is like a lovely treat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Very Rosie, nice Rosie is top of mind at all times. <laughs> you can't go wrong with dog pictures. No. Um, Jen, what are your current creative projects? Me? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm in final edits. It's done, actually. I just finished last week for uh, a memoir called Superfan, which is a memoir of my relationship with pop culture. Um, and that's coming out in, like, nine months. And then, uh, yeah. And I'm also slowly chipping away at a novel. What about you, Stacey? Oh. <laughs> um, I just started working with an editor on an essay collection called the lost season which Ooh, is that's um, a good title which thank you which is about some of the things we talked about today um i am planning on spending the summer writing a second draft of a novel that i don't care about currently <laughs> so i'm trying to work up the love for the novel mm. again um yeah and i have a children's book coming out next spring oh um, fun and it's called The Invitation, and it's about um, anxiety. It's a picture book about anxiety, which I know a great deal about. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, so, you know, as somebody who didn't feel like they could get anything done in the first couple of years of motherhood. You're getting you it done. Yeah. And look at you, Jen. Yeah. You're getting it done, too. So if you yeah. are in the throes of early motherhood and you think that your creativity will never come back, know that I felt exactly the same. <laughs> that is a beautiful reminder. I like. And if it doesn't, that's OK, too. Yeah. Writing is not your worth. You are more than just writing. You are, you know. Yeah. You're oh. more than that. You're more than that. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. Um, thank you, Jackie. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope some of what we talked about resonated with your own experience. It is so beautiful to be reminded that, yes, motherhood takes its toll, but it can also fuel us in ways that we can't even imagine. Number one, being a mom can feel very exclusionary in the writing world, so find the people that can understand your needs and accommodate you. Number two, if you're going to events in real life, you will need pants. Number three, yes, motherhood does put limitations on your writing. You may find yourself writing more slowly or in smaller chunks but if you surrender to the creative process you will find your way forward and you may love your writing even more for it number four don't write into the night give yourself time to relax number five 
Taking your time when it comes to writing may not be a bad thing. In fact, it can help you write deeper and more complex pieces of work. Number six, set your boundaries. Don't do stuff because you feel like you have to. Number seven, if you don't have the energy to get up for that 5 a.m. writing club, that's okay. It doesn't mean it will never happen. It just may mean this is not your season. And number eight, your worth is not tied to how much you work. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And if you can take a moment now to rate or review this show on Apple or Spotify, that would mean so much to me. As mentioned, I put a link to Good Mom on Paper in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. I will talk to you guys next week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and happy writing.